0: I think I'm on. Thank you, Judith. And thank you, team. Have you ever had to make a stand for your convictions that cost you something? Maybe it was a financial or a relational cost. Maybe you were misunderstood. Or maybe it was something that cost you, your family, something and they're often the hardest costs to bear when, when we have to make difficult choices. When I was a teenager, my parents felt the call to become missionaries in Papua New Guinea. Uh, my dad was a pilot, and so uh, we joined MAF, Missionary Aviation Fellowship, and they prepared to take their three sons, uh, one of whom is intellectually disabled, uh, up to PNG. And I remember my dad once having a conversation With an uncle who wasn't a believer and my uncle just couldn't understand why my dad would drag his family up there away from the comforts and the safety and security of australia away uh, from a well-paying job and it did cost my parents Uh, it, it cost them financially of course being a missionary isn't a lucrative enterprise but it was also risky because as a pilot, Dad's flying through some of the most notoriously difficult terrain in the world. Uh, we, I know people who died up there. But the Lord had called them, and so they took up their cross, and they followed him. We all followed him. My wife, Andrea, was born in Papua New Guinea, and uh, her parents had to make the difficult decision when she was just seven years old to send her off to boarding school, it was quite challenging for Andrea. Uh, you can ask her about it sometime. Um, but uh, as a parent, a- and I'm sure if you're a parent, you uh, you agree with me. You can't, I can't imagine what it must have been like for her parents to have to send her off uh, to boarding school. Her parents did a remarkably good job. Um, they made time every holidays. Was, was time for their kids, but they still had that wrench of sending them off on the plane every school term. That's really nothing compared to 19th century missionaries who would often have to send their children to live in a boarding school or send them off to live with relatives. And it's said that they would pack all their belongings in their coffin and ship off to some country that would probably take their life through disease or violence. That's commitment. That's taking up your cross and following Jesus. Look, it's not just missionaries from the West, of course. I once read a a book by a Chinese believer who said one of the things they teach in Bible college in China is how to jump out of second-story windows without breaking a leg so that you can get away from the police taking up your cross and following Jesus. Perhaps you're someone who thinks the demands of the gospel are really unreasonable in this modern age. What kind of God would demand that his followers make these kinds of sacrifices, sometimes even sacrificing children, so to speak, for the sake of the gospel? And yet when Jesus said some words that I'm about to read to you, It was this level of commitment that he was thinking about. So the second reading is from Luke chapter 14. Now if you've got the Bible app, you can open it up. Open up to more and events and you'll uh, see us in there and there's some notes as well. Um, We do actually have a church app coming, which will make it a little easier to find the notes probably next week. So this is Luke chapter 14, verse 20, uh, 25. Now great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be disciple my disciple as we approach easter next week the story of simon of cyrene paints a vivid picture of the cross Um, the romans had authority to pick a civilian out of the crowd and, and carry the cross of a condemned criminal if they became too weak to carry their own and that could happen very easily luke only implies it but the other gospels tell us that jesus was whipped by the Romans with what was called a a flagrum or a a flagellum. It was a a whip that had pieces of lead built into it, and it would tear away at the skin. So by the time Jesus got to picking up a a, a rugged crossbeam probably across his shoulders, he was already bleeding badly, bruised uh, and exhausted. And so the soldiers co-opt this random person from the crown crowd to carry the crossbeam for jesus simon was from cyrene which is uh located in modern day tripoli or up uh, near libya and we don't know any more than that people conjecture was he a gentile who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time i think it's probably more likely that he was a diaspora jew someone who who'd been dispersed centuries earlier and and now return to Jerusalem for the Passover and and for this holiday season. But that he is mentioned by name at all and our other gospels mention his son's names as well probably indicates that whatever his background, Simon or his family or both became believers. And if that's the case, it's quite an introduction to Jesus. Can you imagine someone... Becoming a Christian because of the cross of Jesus, quite literally, in their face. Jesus said that anyone who would become his disciple has to pick up their cross and follow him. And so Luke vividly, I think, illustrates this by telling this story of Simon of Cyrene. He makes the point to say that Simon carried the cross behind Jesus. It's an image of the passage i just read simon followed jesus as he carried jesus cross and so must we but what does it mean to actually pick up your cross the the cross is an instrument of death of torture of shame and so for jesus to say this to the crowd was really confronting i mean i i I just i don't know what we have in comparison to really say how confronting that was. It's, he uses this strong language. He says, if you don't hate your family, your mother, your father, your sisters, your brothers, your children, if you don't hate them, you can't be my disciple. That's confronting in any time and place. It's strong language, but it's typical of the, the exaggeration, the hyperbole that Jesus often uses. When we think of hatred, we often think of strong feelings of, of loathing or of enmity. And maybe you even think of someone you'd like to do, well, not like to, but you feel urged to do violence upon sometimes. That's a sort of feelings that hatred evokes. But these are clearly values that Jesus doesn't call us to. He calls us to the opposite values of love and and peace and, and turning the other cheek. So what does he actually mean when he says we should hate our family, remembering that he has tied this to carrying our cross and that this is the only way we can be his disciples? Well, have you ever been forced to give something up or, or maybe stopped from doing something because of family obligations? This was really brought home to me once when I was discipling a young man from a Hindu background. He was attracted to Jesus. He was really seeking something. He had a hole in his life. You know, as we say, as Christians say, a God-shaped hole. It wasn't quite recognizing that but he was really attracted to the church and to jesus and i was trying to disciple him towards jesus and we started to talk about baptism and as we did that his parents started to put the pressure on him and he was suddenly left with this very stark choice who is he going to hate because he was going to have to face rejection from someone his family or jesus Sadly, he chose to hate Jesus. He walked away from Jesus and caved into the pressure from his family. He did not pick up his cross and follow Jesus. Every day, thousands if not millions of people make the opposite choice, just as starkly if not more so. This young guy was in Australia. He may have been rejected by his family, but he probably wasn't going to face anything more uh, dire than that. But every day, people in places like China or the Middle East or, or other places choose to pick up their cross and follow Jesus in the face of the persecution that they're going to receive, in the face of family rejecting them, in the face of social ostracism. They make the choice... To follow Jesus. And in so doing, families perceive that as hatred towards them. Because they're left with no choice. They have to make one. But when you're confronted with the reality of Jesus, what do you do? It's a stark choice. In ancient Israel, as in many cultures today, there are strong obligations that we have as individuals towards our family and towards society. Um, but Jesus says that these obligations are not to get in the way of following him. Our loyalty is to him. And if we're going to be his disciples, we have to make those sorts of choices. So he wasn't telling his disciples that he they literally had to hate their family that they had to have these feelings of animosity towards them that they had to somehow do violence to them he was simply saying when confronted by these choices when when called to follow Jesus we have this contrast between loyalty to Jesus and loyalty to family and friends and clan and society that our love for Jesus is going to make other things look like hatred In comparison Jesus is the most important relationship we have in our lives and if we really believe the call to the gospel that makes sense Jesus said what does it benefit someone if they gain the whole world but lose their soul and if we believe that Jesus really is who He claims to have been, the Son of God, if we believe that God raised Him from the dead, if we believe He has ascended to heaven, and if we believe He is coming back to judge the living and the dead, and that life is only found in Him, what other choice do we have than to follow Jesus, to pick up our cross, and abandon all else? When you're faced with that sort of choice it starts to really work out what you uh, believe and it's an inconceivably radical commitment that jesus calls us to you know it really serves as a challenge to us in a world that demands conformity to its values and its rules and mores and the world has always demanded that sort of conformity it's just that the world's values And our values are becoming more separate. So we start to notice uh, the differences and where the choices have to be made a bit more radically. When Jesus said to take up your cross, to hate family, all of those things would have been really, really confronting, even scandalous to his followers. You notice how Jesus goes around. He's always trying to get people to stop following him. By saying these outrageous things, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be part of my family. It's just, he he wants people to understand what's at stake here and what's involved. And here he says, you know, following me, you might have to reject family. It goes against some of our most basic intuitions. Loyalty to family and tribe, it's actually necessary for survival in most instances. If we don't have a tribe we identify with strongly, we at least run into psychological and emotional problems. And Jesus effectively is telling us, if you've got to choose, you choose a new tribe. You choose his tribe. Now, we do have to practice some wisdom here because this is not an excuse. We do have responsibility towards parents and children and spouses and we are in the bible called to love them you and old testament in numerous places the bible tells us so for example the apostle paul says husbands you are to love your wives as christ loved the church and laid his life down for her that is your responsibility as a husband wives you are to submit paul says to your husbands as christ does the church christ is our paradigm for the way we relate to one another and so for some of you loving family is actually part of the cross you bear i know some of you are caring for elderly parents and it's not easy and you do it out of love for them but also out of devotion to christ some people stay in less than stellar marriages for the sake of christ I would say, though, I would never advise someone to stay in an abusive relationship. I feel like I need to say that in the midst of our, our current age. But, you know, sometimes we check out of marriage a little too early just because it's not easy. That's different. What does the cross compel us to? But regardless of those obligations we have, when they get in the way of our commitment to christ that's when the difficult choices start to come in those believers who make the choice to follow jesus are often restricted from doing this you, you lose a lot and when we're forced into that situation not by our own will but because our loyalty to god is going to mean people drive us away and make it look like we're hating them then that's what we have to do when family or friends think we're getting too deep in with those religious extremists, those nutcase Christians, which is increasingly how people see us. On the other hand, when people, friends, want you to come and look at that thing or smoke that thing or go to that place where you know Jesus would say no, we have, have to decide who we're going to start following. Are we going to start fo- keep following for most of us here, Jesus, and remain loyal to to Him. Which our friends and family and associates will probably see us as rejecting. Oh, you're too good for us. No, actually, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not. I have another loyalty over here. Hey, you're welcome to come and join me, by the way. Then we can stay friends. Sometimes we have to choose things we don't want to choose, for the sake of loyalty to Jesus. So how do we find the wisdom and the strength to do that? And really, I think there's only one way. It's to go deeper in Christ. Because when you've made this choice, you've made the choice. You're all in anyway, aren't you? If you're saying no to someone and yes to Jesus, you're all in. And why would you do anything else than go deeper into Jesus? There's nowhere else to go. You know, everyone starts falling away from Jesus and, and Jesus says to his disciples, well, do you want to leave me too? And they're like, well, where else would we go? You've got the words of life. So all we can do when we're feeling it, when we have this, these tough decisions we're making, is to go to God and cry out to him for his grace and to walk by the Spirit. Ask him to give us the power of love so that we can overcome what people perceive as hatred so that we can go beyond that and reach them and live a life of love and of course pray that God will bring them as well and as people throw us out of their tribe and we go to Jesus tribe that he will draw them into Jesus tribe and then we're in the same tribe again healed and whole and moving in the same direction The Apostle Paul was a man who was consumed by Christ. In Galatians 2.20 he wrote, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we see this paradox of Jesus on the cross because the journey doesn't end in death, it ends in life. And perhaps that's the key, uh, is understanding that to take up the cross daily means that although I die painfully each day, because I don't know about you, but I reckon death to self is the most painful kind of death. Although I die that death every day, it doesn't end in death, but it ends in Christ's life in me. But it is a journey we can only walk by God's grace. Uh, it's only a journey we can walk by the life of the Spirit in us. Jesus lives in me. We are crucified with Christ and we live with Christ. And whether people accept it or not, this is the, the path to love and life and glory. So I want to ask you this morning, what about you? Uh, Is there a choice you've been putting off because of social relationships or social repercussions? You don't want to have to choose between Christ and your friends, but you're being forced into a corner. Who are you going to hate? You've got to hate someone sometimes. Using hate as a metaphor there. You've got to reject someone. Is it going to be Jesus or the world? if they're forcing you into that choice maybe you've made the choice but you're finding it tough and it's not easy it can be really really hard it can be lonely it can be painful but you are committed and so for you the only real choice and the best choice and the choice to find life is to push deeper into christ go deeper with christ go deeper in prayer go deeper in the word Go deeper in fellowship with other Christians. And, and because maybe maybe that's you, maybe you just wish there was someone there who could pick up your cross for you, like Simon did for Jesus. Well, no one else can carry your cross for you. But we can help each other bear the load a little. And And if that's you, what you want to do is find other Christians you can pray with and fellowship with be open with because we all struggle with this this cross that we have to bear for jesus find a prayer partner or something and get encouragement from one another to go the distance carrying your cross is not easy that's why jesus used that as the picture for following him but you know what i'm really grateful that my parents made the decision they did because i got to live experiences there's no way i would have had Unless they had dragged me up to New Guinea, and it was hard for a little while, but you know gee there was there's some good memories there. I'm really glad that my par- my parents in law sent their daughter to boarding school. I would not wish that on anyone, and you know when we were discussing having kids, it was something we were determined we didn't want to do, and yet it has shaped Andrea into the woman. That she is today and she is one of the best most selfless most giving people I know I know I'm biased but I'm allowed to be when we take up our cross you see we discover that life isn't only found at the end of the journey we're a people of hope we look to the coming of Christ we're like we look to that day and I am looking forward to that day when we can lay down our cross when sin no longer tempts us and no longer interferes and ruins us and our world. I look forward to that future, but there is also a present life that we live and enter into with Jesus. We discover that the life of Christ infuses us along the way and we become now vessels of his love and his life particularly to those who are also following him to one another but also to those who are going to follow him and we can even be that to people who end up rejecting him if they're just a little bit open take up your cross and follow him it's hard but it's also life let's pray father don't know if i really want to thank you for these words because they're hard words But, Father, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that Jesus was honest with us, that he gave himself as an example. We thank you for believers like Simon of Cyrene, who has this radical introduction to Jesus, but then apparently becomes a follower. And, Father, help us to be followers as well. Lord, give us the grace to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, regardless of the cost, Lord, and particularly the social cost. Give us the strength. And Father, may we drink deeply of the well of life, which is what makes the cost worth it. I pray for any here today who are really struggling with this, who are really living this reality where in reality the hatred we're to have towards people is actually the hatred they have towards us, regardless of what they accuse us of. Father, I pray for your grace on them. I pray that your spirit will be a balm to them and that your love will abound in them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.